welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Silk. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Hello. Today, I will host Molly McGard. Molly is the founder and CEO of Iron Empowering Solutions, a team of management consultants and entrepreneurs with law firm experience that offer hiring and training support to boutique law firms to the U.S. The goal is to get both groups of people, the law firm leaders and their employees, to work together more effectively for the benefit of the firm. So we'll talk about the best way to engage your employees, what we can do in order to enable them to flourish and grow, and much more. So stay with us. Molly, uh, thank you for joining our conversation today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward. So, you know, the, you're the owner of the company Hiring Empowering Solutions. And I'm really ex- uh, excited to learn about your personal path. How you got to bring these tools and, uh, to the law firms? Why did you decide specifically to go to this area of companies and bring your uh, experience? So if you can share with us. So I started my entrepreneurial journey in um, 2008. And prior to that, I moved from New York to Colorado, where I still live 26 years later. And um, back then, I applied for a job in classifieds in the paper, which people don't do that anymore, and walked into an office building with my resume. And I really loved the culture. I loved uh, the energy within the organization. And it happened to be a national organization for estate planning in particular and other law attorneys. Well, thankfully, at that tender age at 27 years old, I've never interacted with an attorney. So I knew nothing about attorneys other than, you know, they're very high energy, very, very successful in the U.S. We're taught to go to school and become a doctor or a lawyer. Those uh-huh. are the only two successful professions. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, very intimidating profession. And quickly, my first assignment was to go to a conference. So we were at a, held in a convention center and I learned at the breakfast conversations, dinner conversations, um, that really they were entrepreneurs and human beings at heart that were really, really struggling with all the things that human beings struggle with, entrepreneurs in particular and leaders. So staffing, I'd hear over and over and over again, oh, business would be great, but for the employees, you can't find good people, you can't keep good people, everybody has entitlement mentality. And then I would turn to the other side of the table and there's the employees and employees would say, I love my job, but my my boss won't give up control. They're a control freak. You know, they never give me any time, attention or feedback. I never know if I'm making the mark. 
And I, I just am drowning in my job because there's a lack of communication, consistency, and clarity. And that's when I got very deeply, deeply curious and committed to really bridging that gap between employees and employers. And through passion and really deep curiosity is how my business began. And I started investing in um, helping law firms hire and find good employees and realized very, very quickly that there was a massive communication breakdown. And so I'm very, very passionate about transforming the employee-employer relationship. So it's very exciting. You know, as you speak, I say, okay, what changed? There's also now the great resignation, the same problems actually didn't change like in the 20, 30 years. So it's only scaling, right? So it's really need our attention. You know, and everybody keeps talking about this great resignation and I'm looking at it and just really trying to study it and get really still and present and see what is going on. And, you know, I'm finding that it's not employees saying, okay, we're large and in charge. It's an employee market and we're going to demand everything under the sun. That's not the energy and tonality and essence that's coming to the conversation. I think what it is, and it's always been going on absolutely since 2008, is that it's just now very much in stereo because of access to social media, because somebody, you know, some journalist coined this a great resignation. So now everybody's hanging their hat on that and feeling employers are feeling defeated. But that's really not the case. If you could kind of shift it and look at it and turn inward towards yourself as a leader, as an employer, as a supervisor, manager, what have you, and look at what you bring to the table. Because in this market, people sat on their couch and took stock of their life and really looked at where they're spending their time, where they're spending their energy. And they really want to be part of something. It's not from a place of entitlement. So if you have a good company, you have a good culture, you have a good energy, you're a great leader, and you can communicate that and over communicate that with your existing employees. Cause right now it is about retention. But my favorite thing is that when, as a recruiter, when I go to potential employees and say, Hey, would you want to look at this job and consider leaving your current employer? I love when people say to me, no, I'm so happy where I'm at. I wouldn't even consider talking to a recruiter. I go and search out that company and try to find someone and send them an email and say, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because you're doing a lovely job. Wow. It's really touching what you're saying. Yes. It's not always a common thing, but when you find it, it's great. So I'm interested to hear what are employees looking nowadays when they're looking for a new job? What is appealing for them that they want, will be able to consider other offerings? Yeah, you know, what they want is never change. It's just now they have context and language to be able to name it. Because when I talk to employees in the past, I would prior to the great pandemic, I would say, okay, tell me why you're talking to a recruiter. What are you looking for? And they'd always say, or why are you leaving, looking to leave your current employer? They will say there's no opportunity for growth. And I'd peel away the layers of the onion for that. And seeing, well, are you not getting raises? Are there no reviews? What is it? It's never about the money. It really, in time and time and time again, I see this every day. 
they're looking for a relationship. And employers typically look at the employee-employee not as a relationship, but a transaction. And that has to shift. You should be lucky to have a job. I'm going to give you, I want you to show up, do what you're told, and you'll be rewarded with a paycheck. That's no longer. What they're looking for is quite simple. Time, attention, and feedback. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that you're hiring human beings versus human doings first and foremost. And so that's simple. When I really peel away, really what this definition of opportunity is that I am not getting any time with my leaders, with my employers, would have you dedicated, consistent, persistent time where we're looking at my goals, where we're looking at how I'm doing looking at what, what, what's working, what's not working, employers sharing in the ultimate overall vision, not just once a year at a state of the union meeting, not just quarterly at a quarterly meeting, consistently, every single week where we're anchoring into our company core values, every single week where we're having all hands on deck team meeting for collaboration, for communication, for goal setting. It's really, really that simple. And the more entrepreneurs I talk to, They will say over and over and over and over again, I'm too busy. I don't have time to fill in the blank. I don't have time to train. I don't have time to babysit people. I don't have time to what have you. And I'm like, you have to shift that. That's your greatest asset within your business. And it's actually the people that should get the time first and foremost before anything else. I think we're so client-centered and just worried about clients and over-communication with clients, which is great, but it doesn't have to be an either or. It has to be an and. You have to give your employees the same framework and time and attention and feedback that you would to a paying client. I agree with you because you talk about employees and people want a sense of community in the workplace, right? They want to feel connected to other people. They want something beyond the functionality. And, you know, in the past, maybe we went, we did our job only for the paycheck, but today it's not enough anymore. And, you know, I think the coronavirus transformation paused us and caused us all to ask ourselves tough questions, right? What do I want to do? Where do I want to invest my time? And as, it's interesting to hear you, your viewpoint because you actually seeing the, them in their uh, junction when they are looking for a new job and you can really explore what they are looking for. And actually this human aspect that we lost, it's amazing, huh? We lost the connection with our humanity. We're going to be so functional, so uh, our eye-oriented. So we, we are losing the most important thing to connect our employees and to have the capacity to, to be there for them. And as you said, we, we see it as a burden instead of seeing it as a means to achieve together the bigger picture. So when I know that you have your company, have uh, programs that you work with employees and companies, what do you bring to the table in order to help help them engage their employees from a different place to transform their culture? Yeah, so, you know, I feel like my approach is um, different in regards to most CEO or business coaches or life coaches, what have you, because they're always worried about the solution or worried about the strategy. In my opinion, you have, that comes last. There's never a lack of strategy. Any of us could open up Google and type in whatever problem we have in our business, getting more clients, higher conversion rates, better marketing plan, you know, employee reviews, whatever it might be. 
and you could pop up and find an answer to your solution and a PDF download, a YouTube video, what have you in a heartbeat. It's not a lack of solution or strategy that I would start with. My approach is really getting the frustrations out on the table. I always tell people it's like taking, you know, my approach is always you have to pull out that kitchen junk drawer and actually everybody opens it and slams it shut because it's overwhelming. Oh, I don't want to clean it. It's like a black hole. You have to pull it out and dump it on the proverbial dining room table and then look at everything that you have and pull it apart and put it in its proper compartment. You know, it's proper little um, organizational tray, if you will, looking at what's going on with your people, with your process, with your production, with your marketing, and lastly, with your profitability. Most people start with profitability. They're always looking at the key measuring sticks in a business are typically time and money. People are not looking at the energy. I always tell my clients, you're responsible for the energy you bring in a room and you're responsible for the energy that you leave in the room. And that's the approach I come at. That's my number one area that I start with. The thundering silence in the building where people are not talking, where they're not giving a safe place to be able to communicate, where there's a lack of community and collaboration. And people get all this word culture is thrown around so much now. And there's so many different versions of it, what have you. But I really start with, first and foremost, the energy that I can see and feel and read in the room and address that first then we can move on to time and money and the other traditional business resources. So we talked actually about the glue that creates the environment, the, the atmosphere, right? And I couldn't agree with you more. So, you know, if people are listening and want to know what to do with this energy, okay, okay, she says, Mori says it's important to have the right energy, but I, as a manager, what do I should do in order to create the right energy? Do you have a tip for them? I would say first and foremost, just get really, really clear and honest and vulnerable with your team and your business. And, and when I use the word team, I don't care if it's 1099, in-source, outsource, a traditional full-time employee, anybody that you are paying for a service, even if it's an agency or what have you, is just really creating that environment. It's going to take you a minute if you don't have that right now. So it's not like, well, we tried that before and it didn't work. Your people are looking for consistency. So it's not a one and done. You have to first and foremost, some people call them 360 reviews, what have you. I would create a culture where every week in your weekly, I call it a stakeholders meeting because I believe everybody in the business has stake in the business, regardless if they have equity or what have you. You really want to treat them like an entrepreneur in an entrepreneur's world. I've written many books and blogs and podcasts on that topic. So you could go to my website and check it out. But my recommendation is that you really take stock. You pay attention. So here's how you know without even asking a question. When you walk into a room or maybe you're the CEO or you're not the big boss, but when the big boss walks into the room, how pay attention to your people Pay attention to what's happening in the room. 
first and foremost. When you ask questions or you ask people for their insight, if they're giving you one word answers and they're not really elaborating on it, that you have a room of people that are consistently just shaking their head and yesing you so they could get out of the room quick as much. That's when you know you need an energy shift. When you have a really, really healthy, vibrant culture that is filled with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs world that are not afraid to speak their truth, they will come to you consistently with proposed solutions versus constant problems. That's number one. Ask yourself, are the people that I work with and employ constantly delegating back up to me and bringing me problems with no solution? That's when you know that you have not created a culture of really safe, healthy energy for that because there's a dynamic that is somewhere in the building, whether you created it or it's just mindset that employees have of keep your mouth shut and do your job and do what you're told. Mm-hmm. So that's first and foremost. The second thing I would say, when you do ask questions, when you do roam the halls, when you are in meetings with employees, how much are they pushing back in a healthy, honest, well, respectful mm-hmm. way to How much are you hearing people say, why do we do, why are we doing it this way? Have we considered? So that's a definition of collaboration where they're not consistently um, agreeing with you. That's when you know that you're in need of an energy shift within your building, within your organization, virtual or brick and mortar. So that's great. You actually talk about the ability of employees to show up fully and to dare to confront their employees, their colleagues, their boss, whatever, you know, but in order to create this atmosphere and culture, the leader must really be able to be mindful and vulnerable and hold the unknown. And it's really, I found it really challenging for people and for leaders and managers, because we don't like to be in this area of not knowing the answer, being vulnerable. How do you see it? How do you experience it when you're working with CEOs and leaders? Yeah, I mean, you can go to YouTube and Google search Brene Brown, and she has a TED Talk on vulnerability. It's still one of the highest YouTube videos that has been viewed. And I think that came out like 10, 15 years ago. When I tell employees, it's very scary. When you sit down with your team and you're like, all right, guys, listen, you know, here, here's what we're struggling with right now. I don't know the answer. And then you sort of be quiet. It's these power of the pause in these thin spaces that really, really matter where you show up. I think a lot of times employees think that employers and leaders have all the answers. And so in employers sometimes do not, or they don't have time to really invest and find this solution. And so they keep thinking in their head, well, when I get time, when I figure this out, then I'll bring the team in. I don't want to freak the team out, or I don't want to communicate that we might be in trouble with getting more clients or might be in financial trouble, or we're not able to get this one project deployed, whatever it is, the moment that you're vulnerable with your team and you ask them for their insight and opinion, again, not a one and done, and you are consistently saying, guys, I want your input on this. I don't have all the answers. And when you just say that, I've sat and facilitated and led so many meetings And when I see the shift in the employee, they're like, 
and you communicate to them that you really, really want their insight, you want their feedback, you want their involvement, you want them to help become part of the solution, they will take a bullet for you. But this has to be consistent. And when they come to you with proposed solutions and things of that nature, you can't shut it down. You have to pay attention to how much you are really encouraging. It might not be the best idea, but that you really, and we won't have time to go into this podcast on how to do that. But I mean, there's so many biz, there's so many videos on Crucial Conversations, Good to Great by Jim Collins. There's so many amazing books out there in how to facilitate a conversation to get your people to continually rise above. But it starts with vulnerability. It starts with saying, I don't have all the answers. And in fact, I don't want to have all the answers. I want us to do this together. So we're going to have a consistent weekly meeting every Tuesday at 11 a.m. We're going to meet for an hour on this project until it's fixed. And we're all going to roll up our sleeves and do it together. The challenge that I see is you get excited and you do it and your employees are on board, but then we get busy. And then the leader starts canceling all the meetings because, oh, I had this client meeting, this blah, blah, blah. This isn't that important. And that's when your people lose faith and then they stop stepping up and leading. Yes, it's interesting. Today I facilitated a course in one of the corporates and this is actually what we talked about and they told me, you know, we don't have time for this meeting to not know the answer. They want us to deliver and deliver and run after our tails. So you know, it's really challenging to change a culture when they're saying it. So, you know, I told them, you know, it's like a, you're changing your own environment, your own department, and slowly it's like a stone that you, you have uh, throw to the river and creates ripples. So I think this is the, the way to change it nowadays because corporates are running under the tails. People are delivering, running after to deliver, but don't create the space. And actually, I really believe that this is in a paradoxical way will create a much more creative organization, right? And we'll find right structures and right solutions, but we don't have the time to pause. And actually, I think this is what we are learning nowadays as leaders, managers, and individuals to pause and stop and listen and not run and be busy all day long. But it's it's still not there, you know? As I see it, it's we are still not there. It still looks like a waste of time to listen to each other, to be emotional, you know? One of my... The managers in my course told me, yes, you know, I have employees that she continuously come in with emotional stuff. I don't have energy for it now anymore. So, you know, it's, I think it's finding also the balance. And I think this is the challenge, how to start bringing it slowly into the culture, into the energy, into the environment. And it connects me to the book that you wrote, right? You recently released a book called Turnaround. So it connects, it resonates the name of the book. So I'd be happy to hear about what is the book about and why turn around because I can see the connection. However, I would be happy to hear your. Yeah, I've written a few books and that book in particular was called the 66 day turnaround and it's specific because they say it takes 66 days to create a habit. Number one, number two, I don't want people to believe that they have time because it's so interesting because employers and leaders will say, I don't have time. Employees just as well. I'm too busy. I'm too overwhelmed, blah, blah, blah. But by the same token, 
then they'll have all these buckets of problems. So I want them to realize that the clock is ticking and you can turn it around in 12 weeks. Through that book, and I've taken many, many law firms, that's by and large the industry that I work with, through a 66-day law firm turnaround. And we meet every single week. Again, what's the key? Do I have a magic strategy that is better than anyone out there? Not necessarily. That's not it. I will tell you why we're able to create a turnaround. And it's this simple. Number one, consistency. We meet every single week, one hour, same place, same time, every single week with all the players on a Zoom room. All my clients are virtual and they have been for 20 plus years. And then number two, there is clarity and account. Number three, accountability. We don't just meet for the sake of meeting. We meet, we anchor, okay, what are we doing this week to turn this piece around? Our people, our process, our production, our profitability. At some time, we are working on all of them at the same time. There's just different pods of people that are working on it, but we're looking at it, we're tracking it, we're measuring it, we're debriefing at the end of the meeting to get clear, concise, and well-communicated on who's doing what by when, and then there's accountability. And I serve as that accountability cop, if you will, to support them. They know they're coming back next Tuesday at 10 a.m. And they know what who's doing what between now and next Tuesday at 10 a.m. And they know they're going to have to show up in this Zoom room. And I'm going to say, what did you do? How did you do? Where'd you get stuck? Where'd we get jammed up? What's not working? What is working? So it's really that simple. When you have that accountability and clarity and consistency, you can change. And I will be as bold to say this. You can change absolutely positively. You can turn around anything in your life, in particular, your business. So it's amazing because I hear that you talk about consistency every week for 66 days. That's a commitment. So you need to commit to this change, right? So it starts within ourselves, the choice to choose to change something because changing a pattern and patterns in the culture, it's challenging. So if we decide to do it and we consistently meet in every week, this sounds amazing. So actually you're creating the structure and the commitment of the people. And from this place, you can achieve everything, it sounds like. Yeah, and, and, and the beauty of this is that It'll be probably about three, possibly four weeks. So about 30 days in at the halfway mark is when I will see people show up very, very differently. They used to say it takes 30 days to create a habit or to change a habit, but it really takes it for it to solidify. But I do see at that 30 day mark, the halfway point where people now shift to resenting this consistency, this weekly meeting to absolutely depending on it, employee and employer and managers and leaders alike, because it's just really getting into that rhythm. And once you start to see these two millimeter shifts and these changes everywhere you turn, you say, I want more of that because you're sleeping better. You're actually finding more time because by spending this one hour together in a very much boardroom centric platform, you're no longer spending 20 minutes writing emails back and forth and back and forth and back and forth or slacks or teams or whatever it is. You're actually finding 
more time by having this consistent one hour. You're sleeping better. Your stress is down. You know, because the root of all anxiety and the root of all stress is lack of information. Mm-hmm. We go in our head and we get in the vicious cycle. Did Susie do this? Why didn't Bobby do this? Why didn't Joni blah, blah, blah. And that all goes away because everybody's showing up fully, wholly prepared once a week. They know exactly what's being expected of them. They're coming with proposed solutions and a leadership mindset. How is your success measured? What does ensure that this training program actually work for this term after you leave? After I leave, get out of there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they have the frameworks. That's the thing. 30 days, they have proof of concept. We already have these habits, but I'm taking them to the full 66 days. What makes it work is that there is a team lead. There is a non-entrepreneurial um, or non-C-level suite. The employees no longer need to be managed. They're self-governing. And so the only way it doesn't work is where when people come back to me and they say, we got so busy, it was working so great that we, this is the one common denominator. It's fascinating. And when people come back to me and they're like, we're in trouble now, money's, you know, cash flow hit the tank, or we're in trouble now, we have employees leaving and it's a turnstile here, or we're in trouble because we can't get the life cycle, the file down or whatever it might be. My number one question always is, tell me about your weekly consistent meetings that you're having. Oh, we stopped doing those. Oh, we haven't had one in a couple of weeks. And I'll say, go back. 30 days, get back, have four meetings, and then come back to me. And then lo and behold, they're like, well, we're back on track. So it's great. And again, it's a paradoxical issue because, you know, usually we get into the doing more and forget the important things, right? But once we pause and pay attention to creating this dialogue and structure and going into, into the things, things can increase and we can create new habits and new patterns and new systems. Otherwise, we get into the day-to-day and we lose our track, actually. So it comes back to what we started talking about. It's the ability to pause, to be present, to explore, to not know the answers, to create the space in order for the new to emerge. And that's exciting. And I really agree with you because today it's all about self-management, right? We need to manage ourselves, each and every one of us. So once it's embedded in the company and they manage themselves, That's great. I love that you use that word self-management because it really truly is that. But it's interesting because a lot of times employees in particular, they have no idea what parts they should be managing. They don't know what the rules are. They're not very clear, key performance indicators for them. So often people write a job description, hire somebody, and then really not take the time to go through each line item in that job description to see how do I know if I'm making it or failing with this one? How do I know if I'm a rock star here or, you know, I'm I'm knee deep in the weeds on this one? And I make them break it down of finding out what their top three key performance indicators are, get really clear on that. 
and know how they how they know if they're rocking and rolling with it or failing miserably and then measure it every single day and then it's fascinating because then the employees will come back and they're like we got to up level this goal it's not big enough now that i'm consistently doing this actually we could be doing so much more so then they start to become competitive internally with their selves because now they have a path of growth that is very, very clear for them. And that is how you move an employee into a place that they become, to your point, self-managing. Amazing. And they also bring their best version of themselves, right? And best value because they want to grow. They take initiative. They feel responsible and take ownership. And this is actually what we want to do at the end of the process, right? But we don't invest the time in the beginning when we are onboarding them and then we pay the price. So it's, again, it's, the long term and the short term. Short in the short term, put attention in your employee. Give attention to your employee. Clarify the expectation. Coordinate it. So it's really investing the time and energy there, and then things will go on their own path. So I really loved it. Molly, anything else that I didn't ask you that you want to speak about? No, you did a fantastic job. I love this conversation. I could talk about it all day. Yes, it was really inspiring and you gave a lot of tools and skills what to do in order to start implementing it tomorrow morning so that's amazing molly if listeners want to reach out to you where they can find you yes the easiest way is to go to our website hiringandempowering.com and uh, you can opt in and every tuesday we drop a fresh new podcast to speak about conversations like employee empowerment engagement leadership communication uh, people process, production, leadership. And then every Thursday we drop a blog. So um, not specific to the legal space at all, really just about transforming the employee-employer uh, workplace. Amazing. Thank you very much. And keep up the great job. It's really needed nowadays. No, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.